Have you ever struggled? Have you ever struggled with loss? And that can be any kind of loss, right? It can be the loss of someone you love. It could be the loss of a job, a relationship. And so today we are specifically looking at when we experience and are struggling with the loss of someone who has been present in our life and is no longer with us. The loss that comes with death. And so how do we find a way forward in that? Because it can be so very difficult that grief can be all consuming. It can feel like there is no other way out. And to begin this journey today, I want to want us to explore a couple of quotes that I think really give us a foundation to how do we understand it and how scripture begins to flesh it out. And the first one comes from the actor Andrew Garfield, and he was uh, interviewed on Stephen Colbert. And it's important to note that he actually had lost his parents and that he was playing, he was in a movie where he was playing the playwright of Rent. And if you know anything about that story, the playwright of Rent, the night that it was finally to open, tragically died. And so Andrew was playing, was in this role and Stephen Colbert asked him a question and here was his response. This is all unexpressed love. The grief that will remain with us until we pass because we never get enough time with each other, right? No matter if someone lives until 60, 15 or 99, so I hope this grief stays with me because it's all the unexpressed love that I didn't get to tell her. And I told her every day. And then the writer, Jamie Anderson, also kind of along the same lines, grief I've learned is really just love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot. All that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. And to think about that in terms of scripture and what we know about Jesus. Right before Jesus' death, he tells his disciples, you need to love one another. That everyone will know that you are one of my followers because of the way that you love each other. And then we get a passage in 1 John that says, God is love. And so that gives us a foundation there that all of this grief is connected to the love that we feel, the love that we experience, the love that we have for someone else. And today we're going to look at Paul and a writing that he has in 1 Corinthians. And it's one of his letters to the people of Corinth, the people in the church there. And what we have to know is before we get into this is that the people, the Corinthians, 
really struggle. Like they really struggle in life, like on all kinds of levels. They're going to struggle with grief. They're going to struggle with how they treat one another. They're going to struggle with their words, with their actions. They absolutely struggle to love one another, especially if they're not, you know, like exactly the way they think they should be. And so as we get into this letter, we have to know that why Paul writes it is because he's trying to guide. He's trying to help the Corinthians find their footing, find a way forward, find another direction in their struggles. He wants to help them. And so when we're thinking about that, when we begin to read, to recognize Paul is going to help us, he's, he's going to give us some things to think about as we struggle in our grief, as we struggle with the loss that comes in life. So starting in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 26 through 28 and 30 through 31. Death is the last enemy to be brought to an end since he has brought everything under his feet. When it says that everything has been brought under his control, this clearly means everything except for the one who placed everything under his control. But when all things have been brought under his control, then the son himself will also be under the control of the one who gave him control over everything so that God may be all in all. And what about us? Why are we in danger all day, every day? Brothers and sisters, I swear by the pride I have in you, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I'm facing death every day. All right. We may go, wait, what did he say? Because Paul can sometimes get a little wordy. And so in simpler language, that the creator God gave everything over to Jesus, that the life that Jesus led was absolutely pointing to God in every, every aspect, every way, and showing us how God was a part of our lives, how God is a part of our lives, how God will be part of our lives. And so we have to kind of get into, we have to know those teachings of how Jesus was healing, loving, caring, listening, encouraging, like he was right there with us every step of the way. And God allowed Jesus to experience every aspect of death, every aspect of life, including death. And so here, Paul is being real. He's being real. Like, if we live, we will die. And so to understand that God, through the life of Jesus, connects us fully and completely. That even death cannot stand between God and ourselves. So here, an understanding of framing, but also just the, the simple realization of if we live, we will die. And so he's trying to challenge. He's, he's like trying to challenge how we understand death. And it's important for us to note that, especially with like the Stoics of the time, like the Greek and the Roman philosophies, death is the finality. In fact, the Stoics had a saying called mo mori momento, and it is referring to the fact that there's a sense here that if we contemplate death, then we can begin to contemplate life, but that death is going to define every aspect. And Paul is like, no, we can be real about that this is an aspect of life, but this isn't our defining 
factor. This is not the thing that controls everything else, which is kind of fascinating to begin to think about. Continuing on in verses 32 through 36. From a human point of view, what good does it do me if I fought wild animals in Ephesus? If the dead aren't raised, let's eat and drink because tomorrow we'll die. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Sober up by acting like you should and don't sin. Some of you are ignorant about God. I saw this because you should be ashamed of yourselves. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come back? Look, fool, when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't come back to life unless it dies. All right. So right there, Paul's doing something kind of interesting. He is actually telling them, hey, you guys need to knock off this attitude about what does it matter what, we're, what we do? We're just going to die anyway. And he's like, hold up. Like what you do daily, it does matter. And that question of how are you connected to God? Like he is, he's really pushing them on this to go, you know what? None of it matters. I'm just throwing it all away. What's the purpose? What's the meaning? I, it doesn't matter. And he's like, no, it does. What we do in this life matters. And some people have taken that off, down a really odd course that, well, what you do can separate you from God. And here, what he's trying to do is, trying to give us a sense of what does it mean for God to encapsulate our entire lives in love? What does it mean for death not to define everything about us, how we understand the world? And with this sentence of when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't come back to life unless it dies. Here he's like, whoop. There's some connection between death and renewal. And we get a sense of this. We, we may not speak of it like this today. We may be more likely to talk about a phoenix rising from the ashes, which the Harry Potter series made really famous with Dumbledore's phoenix, right? The feathers, and then all there's left is ash, and then a phoenix is born out of it. And so here, this imagery that Paul is trying to say, wait a minute, there is a chance for renewal, that death is not final, that is not the end, that is not what controls our lives, but instead it offers an opportunity to be renewed, to change, to gain new perspective. And you may be going, okay, death somehow changes us. And here, Paul is moving us away from thinking of how death changes us in the negative, into fear, into this control of what does life matter, it doesn't, nothing matters anyway, to say, no, actually, a lot of things still matter. And there is a chance for renewal. There's a chance for something amazing to begin to happen. Continuing on in verses 37 through 39 and 42 through 44. What you put in the ground doesn't have the shape that, I, that it will have, but it's a bare grain of wheat or some other seed. God gives it the sort of shape that he chooses and he gives each of the seeds its own shape. 
all flesh is in alike. Humans have one kind of flesh, animals have another kind of flesh, birds have another kind of flesh, and fish have another kind. It's the same with the resurrection of the dead. A rotting body is put into the ground, but what is raised won't ever decay. It's degraded when it's put into the ground, but it's raised in glory. It's a weak it's weak when it's put into the ground, but it's raised in power. It's a physical body when it's put into the ground, but it's raised as a spiritual body. If there's a physical body, there's also a spiritual body. And we may be going, okay, wait, what, what just happened? And what Paul is doing here, he's trying to talk about how the resurrection changes us. And that even when we find ourselves aching for others, we're aching for what was. We're aching, we hurt because someone is not with us. How do we allow that to change us? How does that person who's no longer with us, how have we allowed them to change us? How has their life changed us? And there's something about the resurrection here that's really important for us to know. That so often when we think resurrection, we're like, well, Jesus, that's Jesus. That's all about Jesus. At the very basis, it's a sense that love cannot die, that nothing can separate us from God. But here's the other thing that Paul is doing. He's like, no, no, no. The resurrection actually changes all of our lives every single day in how we experience the life around us, how we experience loss, how we experience grief, how we experience God's presence, how we experience the life of Jesus right here, kind of right now. And so as we're thinking about that, if we're like, okay, well, how does kind of the resurrection begin to shape and to change Everything that we do, how does that work? The theologian Jürgen Moltmann gives us a little bit of perspective on this. And it's important to note, Moltmann lived, uh, he had, well, he's still alive. He has lived this long life, and he is this theologian who has had an immense impact on helping us think through certain things. But he comes from a place of really a hardship. He was drafted, he's German, he was drafted in the German army in 1944. He ends up a POW. He has no faith, doesn't care anything about God until, until he has an experience where the person next to him is blown apart and he meets in the POW camp, he actually meet someone who starts to talk to him about God and it puts him, it changes him in a completely different direction. And so here he is reflecting on, okay, how does the resurrection change us? How does it change us on an everyday kind of regular basis? How does it help us deal with loss? He says, in the wonder of the resurrection, a life becomes new. It's no longer a life leading to death. It is a life leading to the fullness that God has promised. It is full of interest and participation and happy because it can forget itself, as it were, for anxiety about one's own self and recognition of one's own ego no longer dominate a life of this kind. So instead of focusing upon death and what we can get and our own ego and the sense of that all there is is loss, 
Moltmann is saying the resurrection helps us to see the fullness of God, of God in our lives, to help see the abundance of life, to help us recognize how love and beauty are surrounding us, how there is constantly this invitation for peace and joy, no matter the context or situation we find ourselves in. In fact, he goes on to say, eternal life is not endless life, but life that is filled with God, life in abundance. Eternity is divine qualification of human life, not its endless prolongation. This is the message that Paul is trying to get across to us, that there is an abundance of life that the resurrection brings each and every one of us. That there's something amazing happening around us if we're willing to notice. That if we don't allow death to, divine, to define every aspect of our lives and what we do, that if we don't say we just, if we begin to say, you know what, I'm just going to live in that pain of, it's not that the resurrection takes away the pain, but instead helps us have a new experience in the pain of loss. Continuing on in verses 50 through 52, this is what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood can't inherit God's kingdom. Something that rots can't inherit something that doesn't decay. Listen, I'm telling you a secret. All of us won't die, but we will all be changed in an instant in the blink of an eye at the final trumpet. The trumpet will blast and the dead will be raised with bodies that won't decay and we will be changed. So here the question becomes, how are we changed by the resurrection? How are we changed by love? How are we changed by peace? How are we changed by the things that won't rot, that no one can take away, that actually begin to live beyond our lifespan. So what cannot be taken away from us? Love can't be taken away. Peace, joy, hope, courage, those things can't be taken away. Now we can give those away. We can give those over to a situation. We can allow someone else to take it away. But here, Paul is like, no, no, no. Think of the things that God gives you because no one can take those away. No one can take away that love. Only you can give it away. And so why not hold on to what cannot be taken and what can live beyond our lifespan? And so if we're thinking about the people that we have cared about in this world that we have lost at some point, Think about those things that they gave to us that we can connect back to God. Think about that love. Think about those things like peace and joy, but also their laughter, their beauty, the way that they cared, the way that they were kind, the way that they shared and built us up. Those are the things that live beyond a lifespan. And so when we reflect upon those things, when we're like noticing that of how we are living those things because of others in our life, whether they are alive or not, we are living into the resurrection. Their life continues with us.
when we continue to love the way someone else loved us, when we share in that laughter and that joy that someone gave us and we get to share it with someone else, we are living into the resurrection. The resurrection is changing what we hold on to, what is meaningful, and it's allowing that space in our lives for those who are, have gone on to continue to live. Moltmann gives us another quote along these lines. In community with the one who has been raised, those who have gone before are remembered in the light of the resurrection hope. And so those things that cannot be taken away, those things that can live far beyond our lifespan, that we get to share with others, on every single day, the things that we were given to by those who have gone on before, to be able to show off their life, to be able to hold up and to say they are not totally gone from us because I choose to live that love that is connected to the resurrection, that's connected to Jesus, that is connected to the one who is no longer with us. And so that is the resurrection hope. Finishing up in verses 53 through 55 and verse 57. It's necessary for this rotting body to be clothed with what can't decay and for the body that is dying to be clothed with what can't die. And when the rotting body has been clothed in what can't decay and the dying body has been clothed in what can't deny, then this statement in scripture will happen. Death has been swallowed up by a victory. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting, death? Thanks be to God who gives us this victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That sense of we are never lost. We are never separated when we have clothed ourselves with those things that can't be taken away, when we have changed our lives and that when we recognize that in others, when we've experienced that with others that we have now lost, that their life has ended, that their life hasn't completely ended because we carry forth what they gave to us in the past, today into the present, and then when we share it with others, we are propelling their life, those good things, into the future. It's this moment of recognizing how certain things go with us. And I think about Star Wars, and it's important to note, uh, George Lucas, a devout Catholic, he really wrote a lot of the story of Jesus, of the death, of the resurrection, into the Star Wars narrative. And when we, when we are watching Star Wars and there's that moment where Luke is struggling, Right? Luke is, he's ready, about ready to give up. He sees his father and Yoda and Obi-Wan, and hopefully I'm not ruining the movie series for you. <laughs> it's been out a while. But when he experiences them and they encourage him, he is reflecting back on them and they are propelling him forward. That life continues that resurrection hope 
that sense of how when things are connected, when we live our life in a way that is connected to Jesus, we are able then to connect with others that go beyond our lifespans. When we are able to love one another, that goes beyond the lifespan. When we are able to experience joy and peace and to share that with others, that goes beyond our lifespan. There's a, a hymn that we're going to sing in person, but I want to read you what the last line of it says, because it's really important to this, to this conversation, especially with those lines of Paul about how death has been swallowed up by a victory. Where is your victory death? Where is your sting death? Thanks be to God who gives us this victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that last verse of the hymn, I danced in the morning, says, they cut me down and I leapt up high. I am the life that will never, never die. I live in you. If you live in me, I am the Lord of the dance, said he. For Paul, being able to live into the life of Jesus, being able to live into this dance and the power of the resurrection that death does not get to define him, the finality of it, that there is so much about his life that will be that will go on because it's connected to Jesus. This is so important for Paul. It's so powerful and life-changing for Paul that he will he he will face death and he will experience death because of living into this message. That there is something more than the fear and the control of death. And that when we are experiencing loss and grief of others, because we have that love, just as Andrew Garfield said, that we have that unexpressed love that we so want to give, that Paul is going, no, you get to continue to express it. It's just in a new and changed way. You get to express it and live it with others. And when we do that, we are honoring the lives of those who have gone before us. When we live those good things that are connected to Jesus out in our own lives, we are connecting to the resurrection. We are connecting to how the resurrection lives in us, lives in those who have already died and lived in Jesus. And so how will we be challenged this day how will we begin to look and be changed by renewal? How will we begin to reflect on the lives of those we lost and what we want to carry forth of those lives into our own and to share with everyone else around us that cannot be taken, that are not taken by death? Because death wants to rob us of life. And here Paul is like, it doesn't have to. It does not have to diminish. It does not have to control us. It is not something that we have to fear because of the resurrection, because the resurrection brings us that love. Because the resurrection says that love does not die. And so how will we choose to be changed and to live into that this day? Amen. Amen.